Are we on air? We're live? Or? Yeah. I'm going to do a reading first um, from the book of Genesis. Um, and as I've said on um, some preceding weeks, my, my aim is to try, um, if I can, to show you that the Old Testament and the New Testament are one, that the Old Testament isn't an optional extra um, and something that we can just think that was for then and it isn't for now. So that's the first aim. And then also the second aim is to try perhaps to instill some more confidence um, in God's word, um, that there is something about it that is just so deep and just so amazing and that it really does um, repay study. And I've been trying to find some things that um, in general people don't know um, and aren't aware of. So I'm going to read from um, Genesis 22, um, from the, the first verse. And this is about the sacrifice of Abraham and Isaac. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And the uh, next reading is actually from the book of John, from chapter 19. A shorter reading from John. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And also from verse 16.
the soldiers took charge of Jesus. And carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. So there are two readings. And I've been struck by the amazing parallels um, between the two accounts. So let's compare Genesis with the book of John. So Isaac was his father's only son by Sarah. He had other sons, but they weren't. They, they were by um, concubines. So he was his only son, the son of the promise, as he was known. Jesus was and is the only son of the father. Isaac was a descendant of Abraham. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. If you look at the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew, then you can trace his father, his earthly father, not his real father, back through the line down to Abraham. Abraham and Isaac, they leave their homeland and they travel to the mountain. Jesus left heaven. He came to earth uh, as a human baby. Abraham was told to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. The place where Abraham was told to sacrifice Isaac, interestingly, is later, hundreds of years later, where the temple was built uh, and is the place where Jesus was crucified. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes. He saw the mountain far off. On the third day, as Abraham lifted his eyes, so on the third day, Jesus was lifted up, having risen from death. It's a very difficult story to read, I think, when we look at Abraham and being told to sacrifice his son. And we might well ask, why would a loving God ever ask someone to do that? If we look at where Abraham actually said to his men, stay here and we will come back to you. We will come back to you. Abraham knew that he would be coming back with his son. Jesus said very much the same. I will come back. Where you are, I will also be with you. Isaac asked where was the lamb for the sacrifice. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb. In John 1.29, Jesus said, uh, sorry, John saw Jesus and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And God did indeed provide a lamb in the form of Jesus. And then when Abraham was told to stay his hand, he looked up and there he saw a ram caught in the thicket, caught in a bush of thorns. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus wore a crown of thorns on his head. So Abraham sacrificed the lamb, the ram to the Lord. And Jesus was sacrificed for us. The wrath of God poured out on his only son to provide forgiveness, atonement of sins for us. And Isaac and Abraham returned to the young men that they had left behind. And Jesus returned and came back and walked and talked and ate and spoke to his disciples and, and other people. The ram, you see, that was a substitute for Isaac was what we call a type. A type is a foreshadowing 
so often in the Old Testament, events and things that are actually going to happen in the New Testament. The sacrifice of Isaac was a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus that was to come, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I want to tell you a story. There was a man called Horatio Spafford, and he lived in the 1800s. And he was a lawyer, and he was a wealthy man. He owned lots of properties, and he lived in Chicago, in America. He had five children. And then one of the little boys, age four, died. He died of scarlet fever, which is rare today, but treatable. It wasn't then. And of course, he was devastated. A year after that, there was a huge fire in Chicago. All of his property was burned, or most of it. So his finances, very few, and he'd been a very wealthy man. 300 people lost their lives. Something like five, 600 people were homeless. And yet, Horatio and his wife, they helped out because they were devout Christians. He was a very friend, good friend of an American preacher called Dwight Moody. So after this huge issue and uh, losing a lot of money and struggling, he decided that he would go to England because Dwight Moody was preaching in England. He wanted to hear him preach. So he sent his wife and his four daughters that he had um, across the Atlantic whilst he had some business that detained him and he was going to come later. And then this huge ship that they were sailing in was hit by an iron sailing ship and it sank in the Atlantic three miles to the bottom. It took 12 minutes and 223 souls perished on board that ship. His daughters, one of them 11 years old, one of them nine years old, another one five years old, and a little child too. So Anna, and then a little girl called Margaret Lee, five-year-old Elizabeth, a little Tanetta, and the only one that survived was Anna, his wife. And miraculously, she was found unconscious, lying on a plank of wood, drifting in the Atlantic. And when she got back to land, she sent a telegram to Horatio and said, saved alone. And so Horatio took a ship to go over to England to comfort his wife. And on the way, as they were crossing the Atlantic, the captain took him up onto the bridge of the ship. And he said to him, where we are passing now, he said, is the place where the ship sank. And Horatio went down into the cabin after that. And he wrote a hymn, a famous hymn that we don't hear so much today, um, but it's a beautiful hymn. And the first verse of that says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well, my soul. Can you believe the faith of a man like Horatio, who in the midst of that absolute tragedy 
just still clung onto God and trusted him and had faith. And I do believe that that is the kind of faith that we all need, that not a weak and vacillating faith that in the good times we can praise God and lift our arms and say how wonderful. And then when tragedy or difficulties or disaster, we turn away because our faith isn't robust enough to last the distance. So Horatio and his wife, they went off to Jerusalem. They were doing some missionary work out there. <clears throat> they had three more children. Within a year, their only boy that they named Horatio after dad and after this young lad that perished of scarlet fever, it also died. And not long after that, Horatio also died of malaria in Jerusalem, leaving his wife to carry on the Lord's work. But I do believe that it can be truly said of all of the Spafford, of the children, and of the adults there, that it is well with their souls because they believed in Christ. He later wrote um, a letter before he died to his sister-in-law explaining that the children um, uh, had died and their perished of sea. And I don't know if you've ever had such a tragedy, if you've had someone that has been taken in just such tragic circumstances that just cut into your very heart and you've struggled. But I do believe the words that Spafford wrote to his sister-in-law, and he said, they're not in the ocean three miles deep. They are safe, dear lambs. And I believe that is true for our children, those that have suffered great loss, and I don't know what your circumstances are, but they are safe, dear lambs in God's arms. So to go back to the account of Abraham and Isaac, what can we learn from that? And I think, as I've been saying, we need a faith that endures and doesn't fail us in difficult times. It almost seems trite to say that it was difficult when Abraham was told to sacrifice his son. But Abraham had a trust in God that never faltered. And more importantly, Isaac had a trust in his father that never faltered. And quite often when you see a depiction of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice, they show this as a young child. Abraham would have been a youth, a strong youth. You remember the account of them going up towards the mountain. Isaac carried the wood for the sacrifice. Interestingly, Jesus carried his cross for the sacrifice. And so Abraham would have, uh, sorry, Isaac would have been a strong lad and he could have resisted, but he trusted implicitly in his father as Jesus trusted implicitly in his father. So we don't know what went through Abraham's mind, but I believe that Abraham knew he trusted Scripture says, will not the God of the whole universe do what is right? And I believe that that is what Abraham believed, that God would do what was right. God had told Abraham that Isaac was the son of promise. God had promised him that through him, all the world would be blessed. And so I believe that when Abraham took his son, he knew that these were not just speculous promises, that God would be true to his word, and that through Isaac, through Abraham, the whole world would be blessed as it was. Jesus told his disciples that he was going away. As I said earlier, he said, if I go away, I will come. 
and I will prepare a place for you. We live in very troubled times, as I'm sure you all know. Big troubles, small troubles, lots of troubles, petrol crisis, queues, um, some awful news that a lot of us have been following recently of a young lady that was killed by a police officer, the tragedy around that. There's been a documentary on recently that Jane and I have been watching about that young Bolger boy. And then the White House farm murders have come up again with the Bambas. And you look at all of these things, and sometimes it's very, very hard to see where is God in all of this? Where is this God that we trust? Where is he when everything seems, the bottom seems to be falling out of the world and everything seems to be going wrong? The pandemic, look how many lives that's affected, businesses that have gone. And we ask, where is God in all of this? In Luke 12, 32, Jesus said, do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so like Abraham, we need to hang on to that, to cling on sometimes and to rely on the promises of God for his people. I think of Job when I look at poor Horatio Spafford, you know, all of those terrible disasters. And sometimes we can read the book of Job and you can see how he lost his house and his family and his wife and his flocks. And we just think, could that have happened? And then you look at Horatio Spafford and a whole catalogue of disasters. It almost seems too unreal. But if we look at Job, despite his immense suffering, he still suffered. He still trusted in the Lord. He said, naked I came into this world and naked I shall depart. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Superficial faith will collapse when the going gets tough. So let us not give in. Let's not have this dry and sluggish indifferent faith. Dig in deep and just trust in God when things seem to be going wrong. Look at Abraham and Isaac and Horatio, who I think is a great example of courage. And then look at Jesus, who for us faced the cross, who was crushed for our sins under the iniquity of the world. And yet he said clearly, I will come back. And back indeed he comes, he lives now and he reigns and he is alive. Matthew says, according to your faith, let it be. And faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. The more we hear the word of God, the more we study the word of God, the more we look at the gems within the word of God, the more I believe our faith will increase. Our faith isn't just some fairy story that when issues occur, we don't have the answers for it. This is real, my friends. This is real. Christ is real. God is real. The kingdom is real. And we can know that kingdom and we will inherit that kingdom. And though sometimes it seems that he has left us, he never has and he never will. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he who believes in me, even though he dies, will live. Do you believe this? He said to the Jews. And my question this morning to us, do we believe this? For those that have suffered great loss, children, family, friends, that have trusted in Christ, 
I confidently say this in the words again of Horatio Spafford. They are safe. Dear Lambs. And so are you. So am I. Thank you.